0: hi hi it's so nice to meet you
1: oh it's so nice to meet you too
0: i'm so excited to be here thank you for inviting me
1: oh you're welcome no problem um i've seen your videos on youtube and i was like i like this girl she's really interesting when it comes down to language learning i was like i love to interview her and have oh so you, and some mm-hmm. coming on the show., mm-hmm. well, thank
2: you. Um,
1: I just want to say um to my new listeners, thank you for listening today, episode sixty three of Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. You hear my guide dog in the background. Sorry. <laughs> down.
2: Down. Aww.
1: Yes, he's a yellow Labrador. Oh, name- so cute. Yes, he's spoiled. Um, so, I would like to know um, if you can tell my listeners about, you know, yourself and how you got in the languages. Was it from you know, an early age, like most of the people that I've interviewed, some of them, it was childhood, some of them, it was adolescent, some of them, it was adult. What made you want to start learning languages?
0: That is such an interesting question. And every time that I try to think of an answer, I almost feel like I never give the same answer because it's so hard to pinpoint an exact moment. But growing up, my mom, she her first language is Spanish because she's from Panama. But mm-hmm. she didn't teach me Spanish growing up. However, there were some words here and there that she would teach me through this bilingual doll that I had. And also, she would just teach me some phrases here and there. And then in elementary school, there was an after-school program where they taught Spanish. And it was very basic-level Spanish. But I would say from a young age, I definitely had an interest Part of it was the fact that I grew up in a home where my mom was not from the United States and my dad was. And then another part was just being interested in world cultures in general. And then through that, I ended up taking Spanish classes for the first time consistently in eighth grade when my school offered it. And then the rest is history.
1: Oh, wow. Um, Now, I mean... For me, I know personally, I was about five when I learned my first language, which was American Sign Language.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. Um, I went to a school where I was in a remedial class with a bunch of kids that were visually impaired. Some were totally blind, and we were mainstream. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the school had a lot of deaf kids. So a friend of mine was taking sign language, and they just decided, you know, she's smart. Why don't I teach her, you know, sign language? I became fluent really quickly. Wow, that's great. The older I got, the less and less I was using it, you know, because I wasn't mm-hmm. many deaf kids. So I, mm-hmm. I, I picked up Spanish, you know, watching Sesame Street, and I had me. Maybe- worth in the seventh grade, but I wasn't a Spanish person. I was more I wanted to do French, Italian, Russian. But Uh I was never to any type of foreign language class until I went Mm to about nineteen years ago. And so I it I took to it like a duck to water. I was better with the grammar. My vocabulary was weak. Cause I lived on the East side of Cleveland and suburbs and my friends lived on the West side of Cleveland and that's where all the Latinas were. So I ah. didn't have the option to, you know, just trek two buses over there and just start speaking to any old body. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mostly enjoyed the process, um, of loving the culture and the people mm. Than wanting to speak it per se. I enjoy listening to Ricky Martin and Shakira, Ricky Iglesias, Santana, Pitbull. And yes. so, I mean, I still listen to those people today in Spanish. Yet, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm someone that I'm more towards like Cantonese, Turkish, Arabic, Ooh. Russian, French, Italian, more so than I am, you know, okay, I need to speak Spanish. Well, I can speak it pretty well, but I'm just, it was not my language of choice. I I didn't have a choice but to take it because the campus I was at, that was the only language they had from like 1010 to 2020. And so as a result Mm -hmm. of that, um, I just went right through. Plus the cool thing, I got to use it as a math requirement.
0: Really? A math requirement? Yes. Yes. Um, How
1: I I used part of it as my math and then the other part was I had to take introductory to logic and I got a C in that and I got B's in my Spanish class and so that was um, substituted for 1060 math algebra at the time. That's great. Um, So I used that to my advantage and I lived with like uh, a Mexican family while I was in California for 10 months and it really... Mm -hmm insight into their culture into you know them being as, as family oriented as they were I mean these people worked from sun up to sun down you know wow. It, I mean and it was in mostly a Mexican neighborhood and my comprehension became better but once again I didn't have the confidence to speak and when I did want to speak people would go to English mm. so I said screw it um, I took 12 years off and then I went and took two conversational courses this long distance, got like 89% in both of them, finished them in nine weeks because I already had a strong foundation in Spanish to begin with. The teacher was like, you need to learn more languages. So so I went and I started learning Russian. And then I, wow. went, I went on the French. And now mm-hmm. I'm doing British, Cantonese, and Italian at the moment. I do know a little bit of Dutch. I can understand Iranian wow. and Brazilian Portuguese. And I'm mm-hmm. learning Japanese and um, Egyptian Arabic at some point. But I come from a theater background and a film background. Because that's what Ooh. my was in. And so um, I said, you know, I wanted to start a podcast for people, you know, to come on and tell their language learning journeys um, to the 6.8K people that I have right now um listening wow. the world. I mean, I have someone listening from um Uganda every week. That's great. Um and he has his own disability um nonprofit organization to help people that are disabled age two to twenty four and they just don't have visual impairments or they're not just completely blind but they have physical impairments and other disabilities mm-hmm. over there. Um, you know, the teachers are paid like 10 K a year. Mm-hmm. And for their 10K is a lot of money. For us, 10K is like the poverty level. Right. So so for them it's hard for them to pay for teachers. It's like, man, I wish you can come here. And I'm like <laughs> mm. um, I don't even have a passport. So Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I I my whole goal was to be able to have segments and do interviews with polyglots and people that weren't as known. I mean people I've interviewed Ollie Richards and Vladimir Skollteny and Kirsten wow. and Lindsey Williams and Shannon Kennedy and Tim Keeley, and I've interviewed um, Robin McPherson, Susanna Saravsky, Lydia Mahova and Um, I'm going to be interviewing Richard Simcott and Moses McCormick eventually. So wow. And I, and I, I do have in the works um, Ambie Gonzalez.
0: She's great. Yeah, she I, is wonderful.
1: I love her story. I pride mm-hmm. I listening to her story because mm-hmm. it made me so much of myself in my younger years, and I said, "Wow,", it, wow. <laughs> you know. And her girls are just so cute. So, yes. So I, I said I eventually want to interview Ophelia, and I want to interview. Um, Lena Vasquez and Lindy, um, Bowes and, um, Damon and Joe. And that's kind of, yeah, they're all over the place. And Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I just didn't want to interview people from Facebook. I wanted to interview people from YouTube too, because there's a lot of people that are on YouTube that are not on Facebook and vice versa. And, you know, and I said here in the U.S., you know, it, it's becoming a little bit more prevalent, language learning a little bit more now mm-hmm. as 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, I, you know, I I hope that, you know, people enjoy the content that I try to provide to them, you know, mm-hmm. um two to three times a week. And I try to have like three to four um interviews a month and I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to get certain people because you know you gotta hunt them down,
0: yeah, That's you right. really do,,
1: <laughs> yeah. um, well, because of work schedules, I mean time differences in regards to the I think the longest time zone difference I had was like twelve hours, fourteen hours, yeah, you know, um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty interesting field of people. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about your experience. Like, evidently, you know, you took you did Spanish in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you want to further your education studies in linguistics?
0: So that. It's a long story, but basically, I knew that I wanted to continue with Spanish because for me, it was more than just learning another language. It was also connecting with my family. And Mm -hmm. although a lot of my family does speak English, and quite a few of them are in the United States now, I still wanted that kind of cultural connection through language. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I continued my studies and I also took a year of French while I was in high school. And then after that, I had stopped for a little bit with French, but continued with Spanish. Mm -hmm. And then going into university or college, I knew that one of my majors would be Spanish because I loved languages. I wanted to learn more languages. And I felt like Spanish for me and with what I want to do and everything in my life, I felt like would be the best choice. So I did Spanish, but then I didn't know what else I would want to major in. And as I was kind of fulfilling my general requirements that you have to do within your first two years, I was testing out all different kinds of subjects. I mean, you're required to do math. You're required to do history. You're required to do a bunch of different things. But I wasn't finding anything that I truly liked. Right. And... Eventually, I decided, well, I kind of want to continue with French. So I took a class, just a beginner-level class, because that's about where I was at after my one year in high school. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought, maybe I should consider majoring in French as well. And the story behind that, <laughs> that one is quite a story because in order to major in French and get done with it in time, I would have had to complete an extra level over the summer. And that's a whole other story in itself. But I did end up majoring in French. And yeah, that's how I really got into it. And then linguistics courses were part of both my Spanish and French majors, but mostly the Spanish major. And I really kind of fell in love with phonetics and phonology throughout that time but as for languages and everything I really enjoyed studying them I tried to study as many as I could while I was at school which was hard with trying to balance the majors as well but yeah it was really neat
1: I mostly would have to say that I went through that phase where you change your major about seven times before you hit junior level of college
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: and I said to myself um you know I was I went into Kent State with a poli sci major and I was Mm -hmm. at Georgetown University as well but I chose Kent because it was a little closer to home something would have happened to my grandparents I could jump on a bus yeah so I did start off as poli-sci, then I started off as an English major, then I said to hell with it. I would rather just do theater because I can combine all of it. Yeah. And so I did theater and I I did um, theater studies. And then um, I had an associate's degree in liberal arts, so I really didn't see what the point of having a minor was. Mm-hmm. And I graduated like 13 years ago and was like, okay, I'm out in the real world let's go to college. I mean, let's go somewhere else. So I went and applied to film school. Went to mm-hmm. LA. Mm-hmm. First visually impaired person to ever be accepted into this particular school. It was a one year intense program. and when Whoa, I started, one year. Eat, drink, sleep, and breathe movies all day. <laughs> I mean, I had four weeks off the entire year. It took a year for me to recuperate from the year I just had.
0: Oh, yeah. I believe it.
1: And so, I mean, I enjoyed it. And then I, you know, languages really didn't really surface back into my life until I was about 38. I'm about to be Mm -hmm. 40. Mm -hmm. For me, I've always had that, that I want to know about other cultures. I want to be able to hang out with other people and have conversations in other languages other than English. I come from a Mm -hmm. monolithic family, even though my family's very diverse. We have Chinese and, and, and Irish and German and mm-hmm. Mexican and Puerto Rican and, you know, a little uh, Native American, Blackfoot and Cherokee. So we have a variety of different ethnicities in our family. And so for me, culturally, I'm like, you know what? I'm really good at this. Why not do it myself? And, I mean, I have no degree in, in, in languages whatsoever. I have a TEFL uh-huh. certification to teach English as a foreign language for business and young learners. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I was like, um, you know, I'm good at this. You don't necessarily need to go, I don't need to go back to school for this. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know. So I decided I'm just going to create a podcast. I'm going to create a blog eventually and, and see where that goes and interview people. In the process about their own their own journey because everyone learns differently. I didn't know if your learning style was more visual, kinesthetic, or auditory.
2: Hmm.
1: In regards it's to, very...
0: I'm not sure actually. Um, that's a great question because for me, the best way to learn is to just do the thing over and over and over again. Right. I would say. Maybe I'm a little bit more maybe visual. I'm not a hundred percent sure because when I listen to things, I have a tendency at times to tune it out, and <laughs> I don't know if it's that I get distracted or if I'm tired or what the right. same thing happens when if I'm reading something as well, so I really don't know. I think it depends. For the most part I learn best by doing whether I'm hearing the thing and I repeat it out loud or if I see it and I write it down. Right. Um yeah, it's hard to answer between the two of those, but I would say
1: perhaps visual. Okay. Yeah, I I know a lot of people that I used to work with at this nonprofit organization um a couple years ago called Project Learn Summit County where I was working in their ESL program, helping the uh, students ages 18 to 65 with their English Mm -hmm. skills were very good. and, And a lot of it was just that they didn't have time to practice speaking, you know, um, utilizing all the four elements, the reading, the listening, the writing and the speaking. And so, um, I found that a lot of people fell under the category of auditory.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They learned mm-hmm. more listening. And then you had a couple kinesthetics. People who you had to like they had to have stuff in their hands in order to be able to associate with the with the word. And then mm-hmm. some people were just visual, just throw it up on the screen, give them a handout, and there you go. Um so mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to be all three at one point, but now I'm more, I'm more auditory. Like I, I, I do a lot of space repetition. Like right now, I'm using, um, to learn, um, Turkish and I'm going through their Italian course right now and I'm using Turkish class, Cantonese class and Italian class to, learn, um, .com courses to, um, learn all three languages. So, um, for me, I'm very auditory. I like to, um, I'm passive and active so mm-hmm. I can have something in the background, listen to it mm-hmm. while I'm cleaning my house, for instance, and then mm-hmm. I really want to focus. I'll sit there and I really will listen <laughs> and with, <laughs> what's being said. And it doesn't take, but maybe two or three times. And then I have it locked in my head, but then I use it right away. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Tell my students, that's the first thing you want to do. You want to use it right away. You want to learn it in context. Um, Yes. You know, and like right now I'm, I'm, I'm learning Cantonese and I'm doing Turkish and um, you know, I, I, my goal is something simple, like b one level, you know, Mm -hmm. to start off with and then, Maybe get to a B2 level and and leave it at that, um, because I live in a community where we have so many people from all over the world, Asia, um, Middle East. Those are two mm-hmm. big related um, areas where we have a large group of people coming in from here in Akron. So I, you know, plus we have people who speak Spanish and French and Italian and Hindi and Urdu and Pashtu and Dari and Somali and. <laughs> You know, so it's it's crazy, like you know. Since I speak a variety of different languages at different proficiency levels, I'm like, okay, well, this, is, you know, I don't have to go anywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, it the community's my oyster, pretty much. But yeah, but for my listeners, I'm just curious. Like, do you have any like, um, like a core study method that you use?
0: Ooh, that it's always different depending on the language, which for me, I guess I do have a course study method for the most part, for the romance languages anyway. I haven't been able to do this as much for Korean and for Polish, which are the two others that I'm learning. But with Spanish, French and Portuguese, my method that worked the best for me was with grammar in the beginning stages with grammar and vocabulary, Mm -hmm. I like to acquire it in a classroom. I like to be able to have somebody that I can ask questions to whenever I need help or clarification. Mm -hmm. And I know they'll get back to me instantly because I'm sitting there in a classroom. And for me, I would like that in the beginning to make sure that any mistakes that I'm making that are obvious mistakes, Really, beginner mistakes get ironed out. And then after the basics, where I'm more at a level where I can kind of start putting my own sentences together and not making as many mistakes, maybe the B levels at that right. point, that's where I feel comfortable kind of taking the reins and maybe still being in a class. But if I don't have that opportunity necessarily, then Uh, That's where I would get native input through TV shows, music, movies, YouTube videos, uh, reading, writing as well. I would start writing journal entries, whether private ones for my own diary or also just putting them online to be corrected by native speakers. But once I get past the initial grammar level and learn how to form sentences and learn a decent amount of common vocabulary, then that's where I start self study. And basically, that's where all the fun stuff happens. That's where I like I said, I start watching things that I enjoy, I start reading material that I enjoy. And I still do exercises as well that are related to grammar, because I think it's important to kind of reinforce that from time to time. But that's when I start all the fun things as well. And then that's when I also start finding native speakers to talk to. Because for me personally, that's when I feel comfortable enough to start and reach out talking
1: to people. How long do you usually take to learn, you know, whatever language it is you're, you're trying to learn? Like, okay, like for some people, you know, they have this idea. I want to be C1 in three months when we know that's not realistic. <laughs> maybe two years, depending on, Mm -hmm. but uh, three months that, you know, you would have to study for 10 hours a day. And Mm -hmm. then what's to say that you would retain all that information after the three months was up?
0: right exactly i actually ran into that because i tried doing this duolingo challenge i wanted to see how much i could learn in three months with only using duolingo i didn't use any outside sources at all because i wanted to see by just getting all those phrases and not much of a grammatical explanation how much i can learn and try to put sentences together on my own and it was amazing because even though I got through the tree within the three months, my grammar, because I didn't have anybody to correct me or anything, was not very good. My Polish was very broken, and I actually did end up forgetting, because I didn't keep up with it after that time very consistently, mm-hmm. I did forget get pretty quickly but it came back as I started reviewing and learning through other resources but yeah it goes quickly the quicker you learn it the quicker it tends to go so it's actually better to space it out but But to answer your question mm -hmm. uh, Spanish that took me technically I learned three years in high school before I started being able to speak it. And that's because even though I would do my homework outside of school, I never took that extra step to study on my own. It took me until my senior year of high school, I was in an AP level Spanish class. And the summer before I started that, I kind of got scared into trying even harder because my teacher said, I'm only going to be speaking Spanish in that class, it'll be taught in Spanish, and you're not allowed to speak in English. And I felt very intimidated, so I thought, I have my mom here, (laughs) better speak with her. And that's what I did. I started speaking with her every day, and at first it was slow, and there were plenty of mistakes, and she was correcting my pronunciation (laughs) and everything. And we would talk, we would go on walks every day in the summer with the rest of my family, but I would talk to her in Spanish for that kind of 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes twice a day. And then I also really immersed myself in TV shows, like I said, and would write and everything. That, by the end of that summer, just doing that for the three months, once I had the foundation from school, I was able to converse without having to think very much. So I would say maybe like the B2 level. So it's hard to answer that one because I took the three years of high school, but then those three months were what really helped. Right. And that's because it was lots of consistent practice. Right. For French, it took because I knew Spanish and they had some words in common as well as English, of course. There are a lot of words between English and French that are similar, if not the same. I would say for me, I studied for about two, three semesters before I went abroad. And then I took a break for a semester while I was in Spain. And then I went to France. So I took the year of high school. So I usually told people that it took me two years to get to that level But with what I learned in high school, I had a big gap in between. I would still say it was a couple of years that it took me to get there. It just really depends on how much you apply yourself. And then for Portuguese, I took a year in college, but it was accelerated. So it was two semesters into one. So technically, it would have been equivalent to four semesters, even though I only took two. Right. But I also, once again, applied myself a lot outside of class, not just the homework that we had, but finding native speakers to speak with and um, writing journal entries to put online and things. So that one took me a year (laughs) to be able to get to the level where I was at. And now I've been trying to kind of review the three of them, but I would still say if people asked how long did it take to get to a conversational level at each one, I would say around because they're all similar and it was easier to add on another romance language since it was in the same family, I would say about anywhere between a year and a half to two years for those. But that was my personal experience with my background. Of course, having my mom in the house was very helpful and then all the work that I put into it. But yeah, I would say about a year and a half to two years now, Korean and Polish. Those are completely different. I, Did a semester of Korean while I was in France and with that I was at a very basic level I could only say some very basic phrases like hi my name is Angela I'm a student just things like that and then it was when I did talk to me in Korean their course that I started learning a lot more and being able to be basic I still have no idea what level I'm at because people will say different things depending on what kind of conversation that I have with right. them. But for that, I studied maybe a year and I was still at a pretty basic level. I was able to say things beyond where's the bathroom, but it was definitely not where I was at after a year of studying Portuguese. And then Polish, That has taken even longer for me than Korean I would say
1: you know it's funny you say that because as you were talking I was sitting there thinking about my own language learning journey as an independent language learner and I'm coming up with my mm-hmm. four-year anniversary of starting Russian and ah. I have found that I felt like I was fluent in Russian even with some mistakes still
2: Mm-hmm. Her is a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I was able to hold my own last summer with a friend of mine's mom for two hours and she spoke no English.
0: Wow, that's great and
1: I did something that most people wouldn't have done i'm since I'm auditory, I used a lot of free resources. I might have bought Michelle thomas Russian I use mm-hmm. have it I use it um I had Russian um, Pot one-on-one um, for a whole year a friend of mine because she works at innovative language learning so I get the hookup when I want it three months you know I'll download all the mm-hmm. courses on the site from beginning mm-hmm. in advance so I have them for myself and because that's mm-hmm. material and you can I could take my time <laughs> so I did that and I just did watched a lot of TV from, like, 6 in the morning to midnight for, like, a whole year. I did nothing. Wow. I'm too rushing. All the mm-hmm. time. Whether it was the news. And it one day, it just, my head popped. And I felt it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I can understand this. Wow. You know, and that happened several times. Why? o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. I don't know. But it did. And... When I, <laughs> when I could understand Tolstoy, War and Peace in Russian.
0: Wow. I
1: literally was crying on my bed.
0: I would too.
1: <laughs> I mean, and someone said, well, you're not really passionate about learning languages if you're just about literature. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm passionate about people. Like Language- yes. the bridge... It's a communication buffer. It helps mm-hmm. communicate with other people and learn how they think and, and, and why they feel the way they feel in this particular way. Because we're American. <laughs> Whether we're Asian, <laughs> African American, Asian, Latina, whatever, we're Americans. So mm-hmm. nobody expects us to learn anything other than English.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Which is- terrible
0: yeah it's very sad
1: I had someone say something on a Facebook page that I'm on this morning and I said wait a minute there are plenty of people here that are learning languages you just don't Mm -hmm. you know and I said yes would I like to go to Langfest or the Polyglot Conference or the Polyglot Gathering yes do I have the Mm-hmm. polyglot people on my Facebook page yes of my friends with these people on Facebook yes have some of them
2: mm-hmm.
1: been very kind with their time to let me interview them of course but it took me a couple years to get rapports with these people you know mm-hmm. happen overnight you know right and being visually impaired and having a foot in each door I'm not 100% sighted out of my left eye, but I'm not 100% totally blind either. So mm-hmm. because I learn everything auditorily, a lot of them have um, other disabilities that aren't visually, visual related. So mm-hmm. it's neurological and uh, some of them can't really relate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Method of madness when it comes down to learning, and and they don't realize that we all learn the same way. In the beginning, mm-hmm. we all have to listen and repeat because we don't know how to mm-hmm. to write. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Right, <laughs> and so like you, you pretty much learn by a lot of exposure and a lot of comprehensible input.
2: Mm-hmm. You didn't,
1: with your fingers, whether you're reading it with your eyes, whether you're listening, whether you're taking something mm. and you're holding it up, whether you have sticky notes all over the place, you know, you you're taking in all the information. Yes, in, in a variety of different ways, and you have to spit it back out because that's the main mm-hmm. goal is to speak. Right. I do plan on writing a, a thesis in French now. Do I plan? <laughs> to Les Miserables in French yeah but mm-hmm. everyone's like why do you want to read that book it's boring I'm like Les Miserables is not boring that is a beautiful book mm-hmm. very well written and I mean cause I've seen it I've read it in English and I've seen several different movies of it I mean I would love to watch it in French that would be awesome but at mm-hmm. the same time like I'm a geek, so, you know, I like to read, and I'm forever reading Harry Potter in somebody's language, Um, (laughs) you know, because that's something that, you know, you can relate to, I mean, like, I have other interests, like, I like sports, and I like fashion, so another reason I like French and Italian is because I like clothes, and I like to cook food, and, you know, I'm big on Versace, and Dolce & Gabbana, and Chanel, and, and all that type of stuff. And so, you know, reading the magazines in French and Italian will be cool. And, you know, watching movies, because I, since I studied film, I like French cinema and Italian cinema and Russian cinema. And so mm-hmm. that, you know, like I have goals for every language that I'm learning. You know, I want to be able to talk about the same things that I talk about in English in those languages. So... Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, for you, is that kind of a similar goal?
0: Yes, I was thinking about it as you were talking just now and sharing. There are three reasons why I learn languages, and this really made me think about it, because my normal go-to answer would be two of the three reasons, but... There are three. One of them is because I just like languages. I mean, I like them. (laughs) Very simple. But the other two are because I also really like to see things in their original language, whether it's a movie or listen to music in its original language or read a book in its original language, because even when you read something that's translated, there's always a piece that gets lost or altered in some way, and it's just not the same. The feelings that you get could be similar, and they could try their best to convey that same feeling, but it's not exactly the same. And I realize that whether it's watching a dubbed version of something I like in English, and I see, wow, this is not the same as the original version in English, Or if I listen to something in Spanish that's originally in Spanish, and I think, wow, I was missing so much by listening to the English version. Right. And that is one of the other reasons why I love to learn languages, because I still love to watch dubbed shows or movies to learn languages. But there's also beauty in seeing something in its original raw form that has not been altered. Right. and then my mm-hmm. oh go ahead
1: uh, i was going to say one of my favorite movies uh, french movies is breathless
2: mm-hmm. and because i
1: knew some french but i wasn't as proficient in my french comprehension i would get mad because i couldn't read the subtitles and that was another reason for my wanting to learn the languages that i want to learn because i i know i don't have to read the subtitles but now that apple has voiceover and voiceover can read subtitles in the language of your choice. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm in a film world. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I fall in love with like um, three people in a bed. It's this Cantonese drama that's one season about these three girls that graduated from college and they all have paths to become successful. And,
2: you know, mm-hmm. they fell
1: in and out of love and all that. And I mean, I literally, it took me a day and a half to watch the entire thing. Because it was like 22, episodes, 22 minutes an episode or something. But I couldn't oh. add it in like English subtitles because I was just starting the Cantonese module for Mango. And they only had one module, which kind of sucked. So I, yeah. I did all 59 lessons in like five weeks. So the mm-hmm. goal was, okay, I want to be able to give my address, telephone number, and I want to be able to order something from a Chinese restaurant over the phone. I mm-hmm. accomplished that like two weeks ago. <laughs> right up. Wow. They told me that one of the things I wanted to order, I couldn't order because they didn't have it at this particular restaurant and that it was only made in Hong Kong.
0: Oh, no. But we had a
1: great laugh about it anyway.
0: <laughs> That's so great.
1: So, you know, that was one of my goals. Like, I make mini goals with really mm-hmm. my. Um, My language learning. I'm like, okay, I want to order something in this language. You know, I want to be able to understand the internet when I have it in Italian or if I go to an Italian website, which I can understand about 80% of the vocabulary because it's so similar. And and so I can do the same thing for French and Russian as well and Spanish. But it's Mm -hmm. like, okay. I need to have many goals, and then I was like, my main goal is to get to, like, b one by December or something, and all mm-hmm. you know, speaking all of these languages, and it was like, you can't learn a language by yourself, I mean, you know, you can't learn multiple languages at the same time, it'll slow you down, and you know, I wasn't, um, before, I'm going to ask you this question, but you can tell me what you were going to tell me, and then answer the question, mm-hmm. but what do you think about that, like,
0: about learning many languages at once okay so I'll answer the I'll finish what I was saying before and then answer the question like you were saying my third reason which is so great that you mentioned the story about calling the Chinese restaurant to order in Cantonese was that you made a connection with that person through the phone you said you had a good laugh about it And you did it through speaking Cantonese, and that is the third reason why I study languages is even though I'm an introvert, so it sounds really funny and kind of weird, but I do love to connect with people. I love to learn about them, the way they think, their goals and aspirations in life, and just anything I could learn, whether it's a new skill or whatever, because everyone's good at something different. And it's so cool to learn about what they're passionate about. (laughs) So that's the other reason why I study languages.
1: You know, I, that was one of my main, my main reasons for learning languages in the first place. What, definitely mm-hmm. what you just said. And um, I remember Jan, Jan van der A of Language Boost had wrote a, a post and asked a question a few weeks ago. This had to be like a month, or, a month ago. Where he had asked, "What does languages, what do languages mean to you? And I and mm-hmm. to me, language is a communication bridge that connects us not only culturally um, you know socially psychologically you know and it it bridges that communication divide between you know people from other countries and mm-hmm. that we learn more and become more of an involved human being mm-hmm. knowing how to speak someone else's language we're not just an American anymore we're a global citizen mm-hmm. and he responded and he was like I'm keeping this this is good
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is it really is
1: I I said, you know, I learn languages for that reason. I mean, I have so many Russian friends. It's ridiculous. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, Now, it's funny because I'm someone where, okay, if I speak Spanish and you tick me off, I'm going to cuss you out in Spanish. Now, if you (laughs) tick me off in Russian, I'm not going to cuss you out. Why? Mm -hmm. Because their mentality is totally different they're more conservative, they're more withdrawn, you know, they're more reserved about how they behave. You know, they're very serious about, you know, how they interact with people. They're, they're based off of personal relationships. So you have to forge a personal relationship with them, whether it's in business, law, economics, politics, if you're having to deal with them, they have to cultivate a relationship first before they can establish trust. With how they operate. They're more logic thinking than, Mm -hmm. well, others, I would say. And Mm -hmm. so, as a result of that, and they're much more serious. Like, we walk down the street and we'd be smiling and laughing. They walk down the street stone faced. (laughs) You know, so there's no smiling. There's no type, but that doesn't mean that they're hard ass. That just means Mm -hmm. that they're you know, they don't know you.
0: <laughs> right. You
1: know? But their they're friends and family, they're very hospitable people. So if you become friends with them, just like if you're talking to somebody in the Latino American community, if you become friends with them, you're friends with them for life. They practically adopted you into their family. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I've had that happen to me on more than one occasion. Um, so, so, I mean, like my old... Um, um landlord who was mexican she was from mexico city and she's been in the u.s for almost 35 years now but she told mm-hmm. her about how she became how she got over here and she literally left her husband and, and had one baby under one arm and one baby under the other arm and she left and got across the border knew no english no nothing and her, her 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 sister, got her job working as a domestic in a hotel in Los Angeles, and she mm. raised her kids. She got she got divorced, got remarried, had a, a kid that was an American citizen. Her her son became an American citizen. Her daughter became one, and you know mm. she has a little house in a Mexican neighborhood in Orange, California, and you know she's her English is much better than what it was then, but it's been Mm -hmm. since I've seen her, but it's just the point, like, I got to see what they, how they interacted with each other, you know, Mm -hmm. and how the neighborhood came together, and if somebody's house needed painted, everybody pitched in, if someone's, if someone's lawn needed mowing, someone did it, you know, weeds needed being pulled, they did that, and Mm -hmm. it's an amazing thing, and I mean, I tried to practice Spanish, but it just did not work, Aww. but they, they they understood i i i think the one event that stuck out with them with me not that I was visually impaired, but more so that I took a tortilla warmer and I thought it was a griddle and tried to make a pancake on it <laughs> yeah. yeah now, oh, it was a tortilla warmer
2: <laughs> right
1: because it was it looks like a big cookie sheet. But the sides weren't connected. It was open. Right. With a long handle. And I thought mm-hmm. it was a griddle. Like, awesome, man. No. <laughs> it was a tortilla warmer. Man. Oh, I man. I <laughs> felt so bad. They were laughing so hard at me. That's like, that is not a griddle. That is a tortilla warmer. <laughs> oh.
0: That's so funny.
1: Oh, yeah. I. <laughs> I felt so dumb after that. I was like, oh my
0: god.
1: No. It was pancake batter was everywhere. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, that was my my claim to understanding what a tortilla warmer was. Now I'm like, oh I mean I I'm used to eating them. I just didn't know you had something to warm them up on. So, mm-hmm. you know, I come from African-American family. So we're used to eating fried chicken and pork chops and liver and onions. with smell the gravy and pinto beans and rice. and have mm-hmm. been used to, oh, let's put this on here and warm this up. Right. <laughs> but it was a great lesson learned. Trust me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'll never forget. <laughs> you know,
1: I, was, I was like, okay. I mean, now I do. Now I, I love Mexican food. Minus queso because I'm allergic to, to um I'm lactose intolerant so I can't eat cheese or... But mm-hmm. I love flan, and I love burritos and I love um grilled chicken. Um I used mm-hmm. El Pollo Loco. Um um all- mm-hmm. when I was in um L A and in Orange and I would get their grilled chicken in their flan and I would get their pollo bowls all the time and oh. yeah, I just I love that whole that whole feeling of you know Mm -hmm. the way that they cooked and yeah it was just an amazing feeling so I mean that's why with Spanish that's my connection with it more on yeah on that personal level but back to that one question of
0: yes (laughs) learning a lot of languages
1: um
0: so you had asked me if Um, what I think about learning a lot of languages at once and if it can be done. And my answer is that's not the way I learn personally. And I've never really tried it to really know because I always have a lot of, and I don't do this on purpose, it just happens this way, but a lot of my analogies are related to food. And what I say is I'm the person who will have corn mashed potatoes and say I don't know turkey on my plate and I will eat one at a time and then spin the plate and then eat the next one I'm not the person who will put some corn and turkey and mashed potatoes all on my fork and eat it at once because I don't like to I prefer to do one thing at a time to really taste it and that's the same thing with my languages I like to be able to have a good foundation in it before I start learning another one. And I think that's just the way that I am. But I'm sure that if somebody has a method that works for them to learn a lot of languages at once and they're really able to be able to separate them, that it can be done, I'm sure. I'm sure if they have this method and maybe they spend one day doing each one or I heard the story about making a different room in your house equated with a different language. So maybe when you're in the bathroom getting ready in the morning, you're speaking in French, but then you go to the kitchen and you're speaking in, I don't know, Italian or something. Right. I know people do things that way too. It's just, I've never tried it myself, but I'm sure that the people who do it that way and do it successfully will be able to attest to being able to do that.
1: Right. I mean, because I've heard certain polyglots say, uh, like Lydia Mahava had said, um, you know, she believes in taking two years per language and and learning it that way. And she uses Ossimil to do it. And she does it for Mm -hmm. for a day. And, like, she might do it for two months, like, because she has the momentum to do it for two months. And then Mm -hmm. that she'll take a break. And then she'll come back. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, like, do you kind of do that yourself? I mean, do you use a lot of course books like Teach Yourself, Ossimil, Pimsleur, Michelle Thomas, mm-hmm. Rugglish Colloquial, Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Funny story. I've never actually tried any of those in my language learning journey to be able to get to where I am now. I've never tried any of those courses and it's crazy because I've heard them or heard about them for years. Even before I started learning languages, I became familiar with all of those names because in the polyglot community, a lot of people either endorse them or use them themselves. And I've wanted to try different courses, but I just end up with the method that I choose and everything. I ended up not trying any of those because then when I finally get to the stage where I start myself learning, I feel like, well, I'd rather learn through watching TV. But I have like, seriously thought about investing in one of those at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But it does seem like something that would be very, very helpful. I think the courses I use the most For my learning as supplements, I've used Rosetta Stone for French. I got it as a gift and I tried that out for a while and it was good as a supplement, not a primary resource. Right. And uh, I used that for a little bit, but then quickly I got over that level because of the class that I was taking. It was very fast paced. So it's good for reiterating some things, especially if I haven't studied in a long time. Right. And then I would say the other one is probably Duolingo, which I come back to from time to time. Once again, a good supplement, not really a main resource, but good on the side if you want to reiterate something or just pick up new vocabulary in
1: general. Right. Yeah, I know plenty of people that have used Duolingo. I tried Duolingo. I mean, I followed Duolingo for a few years before I joined the Polyglot community, and I was just like... "Uh,
2: <laughs> it's not, not for everyone. Right,
1: like I, I, I do like memorize. I use yes. Mem- I use yes. memorize. Um, right now I'm doing Mango Languages, and I'm doing their space repetition. Mm-hmm. I'm actually learning at a faster rate doing that than sitting. Like I've never bought T-shirts, so I, I mostly would go to the library and use the library stuff because i look at it like i'm on a fixed income i don't have mm-hmm. a, and if i can learn something for nothing why not mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and um i mean i use youtube as well um tune in radio sbs radio i use um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: podcast italiano Um mm. i have a couple Cantonese podcasts, I have a Turkish podcast I listen to. Um uh, I try to get music in the different languages, you know, off of tune in radio, different stations, mm-hmm. whatever to, to, you know, plug my ear to. I use um Netflix and Hulu as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, those are great resources.
1: Um so and I try to make I have so many friends in so many different language groups i i'm a part of language groups where i don't even study the language like wow i'm a part of polish hungarian finnish um swedish no i was a part of norwegian but i, I got out of it um mainly mm-hmm. because you know how you like to dabble sometimes and you might do mm-hmm. something for like a week long i would say a week I spend, like, a month or six weeks just to see. And if I don't like it, then I drop it. Like, I did Brazilian Portuguese last year for, like, six weeks. All because I thought by the end of the year, I would be able to speak to Lucas Spaghetti of uh, Language Boost in Portuguese. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. Terrible goal. <laughs> well, not to mention, he is very hot. But... <laughs> Aside from well, I mean he's old enough to be my little brother for praying alone. Um oh. and, and I didn't realize how young he was until he said what his age was. Mm. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um he he's really cool. But I realized my Spanish and Italian kept bleeding into my Portuguese and I just said I like the friends I made. I still have the friends I made. They think my Portuguese has improved some, but I'm like, I'm not going to Brazil anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have anyone to speak it with at the moment, I'm not going to really worry about it. That's just like Dutch. I love Dutch. And I have the whole mm-hmm. Thomas course for Dutch. But the problem is, once again, I don't have anyone to talk to. And right. trying to be a part of a Dutch group and nobody wants to speak dutch with you and i mean i'm not the only one that's complained about that so
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i just said screw that okay let me go to the ones that are more important so the french the russian um the italian the turkish the cantonese um i i my friends can't wait for me to start japanese and and egyptian arabic which i think those two languages would be the last two languages and then i found out that i have like 30% um, West African in me. Mm. So the, the language of choice over there is Swahili. Ah, So I said I might try at least the A2 Swahili just to see, you know, mm. what that would be like down the road. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really in a rush. I'm taking my time with it. I do a lot of endorsing of like Ollie Richard stuff because he does a lot of his teaching through story. Incomprehensible comprehensible input so mostly text and audio so mm-hmm. right now he's coming out with a course in italian italian uncovered french uncovered in june and then sometime in the fall he's coming out with egyptian arabic and japanese uncovered oh. and he has he has like 10 to 14 more books of his beginner short stories that are coming out in different languages, so I can't wait to get Turkish and if they have Cantonese, I'm gonna get that too and then that's exciting and then he also has um his um intermediate books coming out for Italian Spanish German um French, and Russian in April um and then he's also coming out with a second part to his um conversations course. And all the languages that he has, which is French, German, Spanish, Italian, Cantonese, Japanese, and Chinese.
0: So, wow! The
1: man is a busy man.
0: He is. I can tell.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I—I I, I was very honored to have him on my show back in October. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, out of all the people that I've met, and I've met a lot of people, um. He actually listens to the people that follow him, like, in mm-hmm. to, but he, he invites his listeners and his, the people in his groups to contribute to the creative process of the courses that he creates because he feels like, you know, that's just as important. He wants to be able to create something that everybody could enjoy mm-hmm. more so. And I did explain that, you know, would you be able to put these not only in PDF format, but TXT format and rich text format? Because not everybody can read PDFs. And because I use screen reader, and a lot of other people use screen readers, um, like NVDA, Linux, VoiceOver, Jaws, Ferendo, System Access. Um, mm-hmm. if they don't pick up the words in the PDF. It just, there are words there, but it doesn't, it doesn't really um, mesh very well. It just shows a blank screen. (laughs) Right. Can can identify. And so he said, I'm going to take this under advisement. He was like, when I create my stuff, I probably will do that. Because, you know, he is a teacher of English and he has his master's degree in polite linguistics. And he's had years of teaching and three years in Japan and, you know, he worked in Qatar and he worked in Egypt. And so, you know, he also was an IELTS examiner. So mm-hmm. he has all this experience. Plus, you know, he learned all these languages as well. And, you know, his whole thing is he likes to teach and he likes to create content that's going to be meaningful and last for a long time you know, for people. Mm -hmm. And that's affordable. And so um, because his stuff isn't that expensive. Like his conversation courses are like a hundred
2: bucks.
1: And then like his um, Grammar Hero stuff, that's like 200. And then I think like his Uncovered course is like three. But Uh the cool thing is that if you sign up for one of those courses, um, you know, you'll get like a phone call from him um, checking up to see how you're doing oh all that he takes a lot of pride and i mean that because some people they'll create stuff and then they'll sell it and then you won't hear from them ever again
0: no i know that's true
1: <laughs> so it's like you know he really does care about what he's doing and you know he started his right. little blog about six years ago and now he has his i call it his little mini empire and um, <laughs> And so I, I told him, I was like, you are my language hero. I mean, because out of all the people out there, you create stuff that's accessible for everybody. and You don't discriminate.
0: That's Which wonderful. Great yeah.
1: Great thing, because I don't think, I think a lot of these people that create stuff, they don't tend to think that they're going to be people that are disabled or that can't reprint or that mm-hmm. are disabled. Um, that's going to buy their stuff. They... They're only thinking 70% of the time. They're not thinking about the other 30%. Right. And there are people that have other disabilities, but when you look at it, there's always someone that's dyslexic. There's always someone that has low vision and they can't read print. Or, there's, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> so, right. So I'm always trying to educate everybody on accessibility because that's important. Yeah. Like, even when people create YouTube videos, I can't i can't read the subtitles on that screen right so i better know that language or i'm screwed Mm -hmm. you know so that you know i guess i look at it in that way because i'm i i interviewed mary the polyglot girl yes Mm -hmm. and she was like keep creating this content because your stuff is really good and it's different. It's not like everything that's out there, and I said, well, the reason why I did a, uh, a um, the the reason why I did a podcast instead of doing a YouTube channel was because I suck at uh, <laughs> like being able to. I mean, I could shoot a video with myself talking, but at the same time, too, my eyes move a lot. Because I have stagness, I have what's called a retinopathy of prematurity, and I was born mm-hmm. with 15 ounces at birth over 42 years ago. And so, mm-hmm. due to being born three months premature and having um, too much oxygen, my and I was born at 28 weeks instead of 40. So, because of all that, my um, eyes didn't develop, my right eye didn't develop at all, so I had no sight in that. And then my left eye is my good eye, so I have a lot of peripheral vision, but I don't. My central vision is not as good as it used to be. So mm. I mean, I see people and things. I just can't read the newspaper. Like I can read right. the headline of the newspaper because that's big enough print. But if you ask that's me to read the print that's underneath it, that's in twelve font, forget it. That's not happening. You right. Know? So if we go to somebody's house and they have a white picket fence, I see the fence, I see the house. I can't tell you what the address is. the mm-hmm. so basically what my vision's like out of my left eye. Yes, I do know Braille, but I'm more auditory. So everything is me listening constantly. I mean, I used to read and write large print and longhand, but I've been doing a lot more auditory and a lot more um, using text-to-speech software with my display. And that's how I'm able to read and write in different languages is using my display in conjunction with my tablet or my computer or my phone. It'll come out in Braille, and I'll be able to read it.
2: Yeah. So
1: so aside from that, in audio, that's how I I get all my information. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, a lot of people... A lot of people are starting to understand that a lot more, the more they get to know me. But at the same time, I mean, I studied film, but I was I liked being more behind the scenes instead of on the on the um, camera because of my eyes. Mm. And my eyes move constantly with, and I have no control over it. So so it's like when people see my videos, they're like, okay, well, we understand she can't see very well. But it's just, and then I have um, hand-eye coordination issues, so I would have to put my iPad Pro up, and then I would have to shoot the video that way with me sitting down, and then finish it. But I suck at editing and all that type of stuff, so it would be as it is, (laughs) pretty much. Mm -hmm. to do YouTube videos but they didn't always come out the right way. So I said I I might as well do a podcast. People can listen to that. And they podcasts can podcasts do- are great. Yeah. And I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy them a lot more than watching like a regular TV show these days. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean in regards to language learning though, no, I mean that, that's that's my my big thing. I I try to educate everybody else in the community okay well this is cool I like what you're doing but this is what I'm doing too you know because we all can learn from each other
0: oh yeah definitely
1: and I kind of feel like sometimes you know you have some people that don't really understand you know okay they think that you can either see or you're completely blind and that that's not how it works not everybody. Mm -hmm is the same and everybody's diagnosis is the same so forth and so on and so um you know i mean i've had people you know assume just out of their own ignorance that because i was visually impaired there was something wrong with my brain
2: mm. <laughs>
1: so i said i'm done you know um i pretty much unfriended them blocked them right after yeah that- out and I mean I've I've been accused of things by certain certain person that I won't name but I will say that um, this person is highly profiled in the polyglot community and this person likes to toot their own horn Mm -hmm. and I feel that you know we all have a lot to learn from each other and that you don't stop learning as a human being you know No, you don't stop growing as a person either but if you can't learn something different about somebody else then what does that say about you if you're going to make fun or pass judgment because you're more successful than that person it's not about Mm -hmm. how you're making it's not about how many podcasts or youtube shows you have you know it's about you know are you making a difference in someone else's life right not not the rest of it so i pretty much um I feel that there are a lot of, like, welcoming people in the community, but I also feel like there are a lot of people in the community where they're dealing with other issues, maybe mm-hmm. only like, depression and anxiety. So that's another uh. reason they learn languages, is, you know, to distract themselves from, you know, whatever it is that they're going through, and maybe by doing this, you know, it's something positive that can help them, you know, mm-hmm. Out the rut that they're in. I mean, I've I've seen videos of that where people have said that. And you know, I I did not realize just how big of a problem that is in the language community, like depression and anxiety, and I was blown away by half of the stuff that I was reading from these people. Yeah. But and I mean I felt really bad. I mean, because these people were they, they weren't that old. They mm-hmm. were that's the part that I was shocked about. Like, they were in their 20s. They hadn't even reached 30, and if they did reach 30, they thought it was over. Oh. I was like, mm-hmm. it's not over. You know, you're just beginning life. hmm You know, and I, I, and they said, well, if I didn't have this, I don't know where I would be right now. And I'm like, wow. You know. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I met so many cool people and I've talked to so many interesting people and you know it was like wow I I never knew you know
0: yeah <laughs>
1: this this and this and I'm like oh well trust me I, <laughs> I didn't know about this either <laughs> you know and so I mean I I have to say I've been a part of the community probably for about four years now actively mm-hmm. But, I mean, I've had my podcast show less than a year, so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and I just took the plunge and just did it, you know, because I, I was apprehensive about when I wanted to do it, and I just said, screw it, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. I mean, now I yeah. have like 0.8K listeners now, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm quite happy about that, but at the same time, too, you know, I it, it gives me great pleasure to know that people are listening, And that, I mean, I get people talking to me constantly on instant messenger, Chanel, keep making your podcast. My teachers love your stuff. I wish I could hire you. And they're all the way in Africa.
0: (laughs) You know, that is amazing.
1: So, I mean, you just, you don't realize how much of a impact a little show like this could make, you know with somebody else. I mean, and I, my whole goal was if I could connect with one person and change the life of, of somebody else in a positive manner, then that's what matters to me. You know, I might not be making a ton of money or if any at the moment, but I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, you know? Right. And so, I mean, I think that's important. And like, I also think that not comparing yourself to other people who are successful. I mean, okay, yes. Am- Amby Gonzalez has her own thing going on. Her, I call it her own little empire. But she worked <laughs> very hard to get to where she's at.
0: Yeah, she and still her- does. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, you know, she's not even 30 yet. You know, so... Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw her video, the one that she shot when she was in China.
0: I haven't gotten to see that one yet, but I am subscribed to her and I love watching her content. She's got a lot of amazing videos yeah. and, and she's I, accomplished so many cool things.
1: Yeah, and I, I actually, she got back to me before Christmas saying she would love to be on my show and was so happy to that I asked mm-hmm. her to, I said, I just didn't want to tap into the Facebook language learning community. I wanted to tap into the YouTube one too because I follow a lot of people, and and, and some of these people, people don't even know about.
0: Right, that they is so true.
1: They they just don't. And like I actually asked Kirsten Cable, I said, "Well, are you on YouTube?" And she was like, "No, not really." I was like, "Oh, honey, you need to be on YouTube." <laughs> Because I also find that the language learning community, depending on, okay, I'm a part of so many different groups that, you know, people from the Middle East and Africa and Asia and Europe and Eastern Europe and whatnot. And so as a result of all this, you know, I see a lot of like minorities on Facebook that are studying languages, especially from the Middle East and Latin America and whatnot. I see mm-hmm. people from the states, but it's not the same like i don't I don't really see a lot of African Americans per se, mhm at all, and I'm all about inclusivity, and so I kind of feel like you know there needs to be more of that being brought to the forefront. Like I watch all these different polyglot events. And I see nobody of color up on stage talking Uh, at all. And mm -hmm. it's like, I don't think it's done purposely, but I think because a lot of them are probably on YouTube, they probably either are established, but not very well known or nobody knows about them. They might know about me and they might know about like Moses McCormick, but Mm -hmm. that's not it. Like, they might know about Ambie Gonzalez if they know about her at all. Right. You see what I'm saying? So it's like there's not that many. And, like, someone said, well, maybe the reason why you don't see a lot of African Americans coming out wanting to speak languages and be a part of the community more on Facebook is because they don't see nobody like them up there speaking. And I said, (laughs) true, you're absolutely right. But I was like, you also have to have the money. To
2: mm, go. Yeah, And
1: it it's so expensive. Like, there yeah. are conferences in Japan. We're living in the US.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> like, that's expensive. I mean, it's not in Tokyo or anything, it's in Fukuona, but it's still expensive. Yes. <laughs> we ain't talking about food and transportation, and we're definitely not talking about um hotel right or b&b why not we're not talking about and like people say well they're americans that go and i was like yes okay these are successful caucasian americans they've got a really good job or they've saved their money to go otherwise mm-hmm. any other minority from the u.s do you think we're going not too many people have a passport the so mm-hmm. oh, big we don't see the point of going out of the country unless it's to mexico the bahamas jamaica the virgin islands or freaking canada. <laughs> canada otherwise we we're not going to europe we're not going to asia or australia or new zealand or africa we're just not we don't have the money <laughs>
0: It is expensive to travel. It is so expensive.
1: And they make it seem like it's so easy. Oh, well, you can do this and you can do that. And I'm like, okay, let's let's talk about the reality. The reality is um the the financial situation is something that's a problem mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And some people may be able to afford that but a lot of people can't so i actually asked the organizers of all three conferences i said well why don't you stream it why can't you stream these conferences so people who are language learners from around the world could watch it Mm -hmm. and the first thing i got well we're going to stream some of it but we're not going to do all of it OK, so basically you're saying to everybody who loves languages, the only way you're going to really enjoy it is if you get off your butt and you go broke to come down there for a weekend or a week to mm-hmm. take part in it. Otherwise, you could watch the whatever we post on YouTube whenever we post it. Which mm-hmm. could be for now. Most conferences i've been to or i couldn't make they had their streaming service up and while the conference was going on you could listen to the different events that were going on at the different times and you would feel like you were right there even though you were at your house Hmm. like well why why wouldn't you want to do that why wouldn't you want to open that up you see what i'm saying that would yeah people be more interested in what you're doing
0: Oh, yeah. There's plenty of people who can't travel for different reasons. And things add up, like you said, room and board, food, all of that. And I think maybe what a good idea would be, although I'm sure they might have thought of this already, I'm probably not the first one to mention this, would be if they still charged you for the conference, because I'm sure that's probably a concern is, well, if we're streaming it online and people see it for free, then why are we charging the people who come here? But to charge it at a reduced rate, since you're not actually flying over there or anything and not staying and participating in all those activities, but charging it for a little bit less, but then we still pay, but then we see everything.
1: Right. Well, I know, like, for instance, I used to be president of the NFB Summit County chapter here in Ohio, and I used to be vice president of the Cleveland chapter here in Ohio. And I can tell you that the NFB, none of the organizations here in the states that you know deal with blindness, and they have their own conventions. They don't charge for streaming mm. they don't charge for it at all because mm-hmm. they mean events. Like if you have certain meetings or a certain group, like if you have a writers' division, if they want to stream it, then their division can do that. You see what I'm saying? But nothing is yeah. charged to listen to it. Because they look Mm -hmm. at it like this, if you're poor and you're living in Afghanistan and you want to hear somebody speak at a convention, why should you have to pay for it? You're already paying for the internet. Mm -hmm. So that's why they don't do that. But I mean, okay, if, if they, if they want to charge, that's fine, but at the end of the day, I I think that would be a very good solution to their problem. And they would get a lot of people to want to listen. Right. You know, to mm-hmm. what's going on. And so Richard Simcock said he would think about doing it because he was like, that's a good idea. And I said, well, mm-hmm. I thought I, because I, I didn't want to overstep my bounds, but I, I just thought I would throw it out there. mm mm-hmm. you know? And he was like, well, thanks for bringing that to my attention. I think that is a great idea. You know, but I mean, at the end of the day, whether it happens or not, I don't know. You know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people even asked Ollie Richards, for instance, could some of his stuff be put on a payment plan because they just don't have the funds to pay, you know, this much for this, this, this and this.
0: Right.
1: Which he has done you know, for certain courses, like his Mm income courses, there's a plan, there's a payment plan,
2: but, Mm -hmm.
1: but at the same time too, like some people are making their stuff affordable under $200 because they know people can't afford it. You know, I'm not going to pay $200 for something, especially if it's not accessible. I'm going to keep using whatever it is I'm using before I, you know, um, spend money that I can't get back because it's not accessible and then, right. you, then when you bring it to the person's attention they get almost offended and I said well wait a minute aren't you supposed to be making this for the mass public
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: supposed to be for everybody you need to make sure that you're complying with disability guidelines worldwide mm-hmm. you don't want to be sued
2: mm-hmm. and that's
1: why I let them know this Because, you know, people, they have egos. (laughs) So they think that they know it all. And I'm like, well, it's not about knowing it all. It's about being aware of, you know, okay, under the ADA, you know, you have to make some of your stuff accessible for people. And if you can't do that, what's the point of you creating content if it's only meant to be for Your particular disability. Well, guess what? I know plenty of people that have ADD, ADHD, Asperger's, adult autism. Mm -hmm. And they differently. Yet, at the same time, you have people that have other disabilities and they're not able to access your information because it's too visual. Are you going to make some type of accommodation? Because otherwise, Mm -hmm. they're not going to support your stuff and they're not going to support you either. Mm -hmm. Because they feel like you're not uh, complying with ADA rules, but you're taking full advantage of the ADA for mm-hmm. your ability, but you're not willing to make your stuff accessible 100% across the board. Right. That, that That's not cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because everything now is becoming digital. You can make it an e-book. An e-book is easier to read than a PDF book. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's those types of things that I try to, like, you know, let them know, let certain people know. I mean, I actually tried to let Benny Lewis know about it, mm-hmm. because he has ADHD, and he's part hard of hearing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, okay, well, he's another disabled person. He would be able to relate to some extent, mm-hmm. but when I had said, well, how long did it take you to create your course, Benny Boot and, you know, are are you making your stuff accessible for people who have print disabilities? Well, he didn't understand what the words print disability meant. Mm-hmm. And so I had to clarify, but I never got a response ever. Mm. So I just stopped supporting his stuff because I felt like, well, if you're going to snub me, I can imagine who else you're going to snub. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I just, I mean, the only thing I took from his book was, like, I don't know, um, speaking from day one, and that was it. But Mm -hmm. I don't agree that you can learn a a language in three months. I think you need to take longer. I know it took me 16 months for Spanish when I learned it in college because it was 16 weeks per semester. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, okay, so it took me 64 weeks. That's not bad you know, to learn a language, yet in a romance language of that. But at the same time too, if you're going to create content and you talk about you're a language person and you want to create content where people can learn a language at a more rapid rate and in a fun and stress-free way, then you want to make sure that it's accessible for everybody because you don't know who's going to come on your page and be like, I want to read this or I want to buy this. And if they can't access a form field to fill in their information because your stuff, your your website's not accessible, and you didn't make your website in compliance with ADA guidelines, they're going to complain about that. Mm-hmm. And trouble, you don't want legal trouble, right? And that—that's—I haven't decided if I wanted to create content like that. Just I was gonna ask you <laughs>
2: um
1: I I don't know I mean I'm more of a verbal person Mm-hmm. I like to just say it more so I mean I like to write I mean I, I'm I'm a good writer but I'm more I'm more on the creative side of things I kind of like to verbalize how I'm feeling more so mm-hmm. than write everything down I think that's because when I was younger and I used to write in my journals and I used to have locks on my journals, my mother would break into my journals and read them. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so until this day I have a problem writing stuff down because I feel like someone wants to invade my privacy. Oh. But but aside from that though, like I I I do find that some of the stuff that people are putting out, like Luca Lampariello, his stuff mm-hmm. is good um because he uses Ossie Mel, and he does the transliteration thing and he mm-hmm. is so good with learning his languages I mean you can't tell that he he learned Polish in like a year
0: yeah I know it was really amazing to see those videos and kind of his journey with it too
1: and and what I I found about him I mean because I've been following him since the beginning and Ollie and Chris Berhal from Actual Fluency and I I got, well, I was on his show, and then I, talking about my language learning journey, and then I had him on my show as a guest, um, because not too many people had interviewed him, per se, even though his podcast is very popular, but mm-hmm. once again, I kind of felt like I was the only African American that he's ever interviewed, mm-hmm. today. and a lot of everybody is, you're either from Canada, you're either from America. You're either from Latin America. you're If you're from Asia, good luck. Middle East, I haven't seen yet. In Europe. Yeah. I've seen. And I, and I said, I wonder if it's because he doesn't know that there are other people out there. Like, he was like, I'm trying to get Moses on my show. And I'm like, and that's hard. He doesn't give very many interviews to people. And I said, yeah. well, you have to you have to be invested in what the person's doing you can't necessarily just be like I want you on my show and you've never seen a video that he's done
0: yeah
2: exactly
1: or you've never communicated with him I mean he's a very humble guy actually he did email me to say that he was going to be on my show once his schedule had lifted from being so busy because he moved from Ohio to Scottsdale Arizona mmm like, lucky wow. so i because <laughs> it's warmer over there <laughs> yeah
0: um, way warmer
1: yeah because right now we got hit with snow here in akron yesterday well last night coming it's in the morning and oh I no went outside and he just we it was dry grass and you know it was hard and all that and then there was nothing on the ground we come back out at six <laughs> o'clock at night, it's starting to snow, covered everywhere. <laughs> I was like, lovely. And then we come back out this morning and it just looks like a winter wonderland. Oh With yeah. Piles of snow. And you could hardly see, even though it was bright outside, that's how bright the snow made the sky. It was yeah, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know how much they would be. So but yes, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm considering writing a cookbook. Oh, I like to cook. Yeah, and twenty-five different recipes. However, my problem is is that I make mostly dinner stuff.
0: That's okay.
1: <laughs> so I'm thinking about doing that and um, seeing. But my problem is I suck at editing. I would need approval mm-hmm. for an editor badly, mm-hmm. and um. You know, make a little, make a little, um, um, uh, English version of my cookbook and then translate it into my favorite languages. Yeah. Russian, French, Italian, um, Cantonese, Turkish. Mm Mm-hmm. And see, um, what, um, what people think of it. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, it would be very personal. Oh yeah, I personally, for me, I kind of feel like I, uh, when I'm cooking, you know, it's it's like creating a masterpiece. I like to take my time, and I like to take pictures of it. And people are like, "That looks so good." I'm like, "Well, thank you. I appreciate that." Morning, you Mm -hmm. know, like I made chicken and noodles the other day from scratch, and. People are like, this is so, this looks so good. Can I come over to your house? <laughs> <I'm> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but i no. No. Well, no, because I mean, I've had people ask me, could, I've had marriage proposals and stuff, and I'm like, you don't even know me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you speak such good French. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, honey. I'm sorry. We might speak the same language. I might be able to understand you. You can understand me and my French, even though it's at a B1. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> um, I mean, and these people are from like Africa. Mm, I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, no, because I I, mm-hmm. I had a friend that was like that. They would hit on her, and she would date all these people from Africa. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> They have a different view on how to treat women. Mm. I'm sorry, no. Oh, but yeah, th- I I thought about that. Um, considering writing a cookbook and writing my own my own little blog eventually. On, yeah. On WordPress. Um, but I I didn't think about like creating content really. I mean, if I mm-hmm. did, I would if I did do video content, I would need someone to help me shoot the videos.
2: Mm. Like for real, mm.
1: <laughs> I would suck at that. And um, but aside from that, yeah, I I enjoy cooking and like I enjoy clothes and books and music and TV. And but my I think my language problem is trying to find decent authentic material in the target language that I am learning. That's
2: yeah.
1: Um, because there's not a lot of books that I can find, you know, ebook wise, you know. Right. Uh, so, like, I'll try like a Game of Thrones or a Harry Potter. I mean, I had a friend who gave me all the Harry Potter ebooks in Turkish, Polish. Um, I have some in Italian. Someone sent me. Someone sent me some in Romanian. I bought a couple. Um, someone sent. I got the all of them in Russian. And someone said, well, why Harry Potter? I was like, well, I'm somebody who likes to compare the different versions, like linguistically, like how they, they you know, how it flows in regards to the translation, because it is a book that was written by an English author. And so there, uh-huh. because it was, okay, how does, what's the difference between the Italian version and the French version, you know? so forth and so on. Like I I just I guess I like to see how it it, the story kind of flows linguistically listening to it. You know. Mm -hmm. So people like, why not just read a biography or a memoir? I was like, I can do that too. I I like to listen to the news too in certain languages. So Yeah. And that that helps out a lot because I like politics anyway. So I mean I listened Mm -hmm. to Putin for like two years. Because he's (laughs) such a speaker Okay, if you take Mm the pop out, he's a great speaker. He's very good. And I learned so much vocabulary from just listening to him. Mm -hmm. And so, I said, I pick people or things, like, I. the other reason for Cantonese, I want to watch Bruce Lee movies in the original language. Ah. And, And, you know, you got Jackie Chan, you got, you know, all these different, you know, people, and like I want to watch Japanese horror movies, and <laughs> like I actually want to watch *The Departed*.
2: Mm, you know,
0: mm.
1: and I want to watch *The Grudge* and *The Audition*. And,
0: oh, oh man, <laughs> *The Grudge*.
1: In, in the in the ring, in the original, you know, I mean, because I saw the English version. Trust me, that was that was a nightmare. Because me and some friends went on a Friday night; it was sold out. There was only four seats left in the first row out of all places.
2: Oh, no.
1: But me and this chick were sitting here, and when that chick came out of the screen, we jumped up and started screaming.
0: Yeah, that movie is terrifying.
1: Well, I, like, when when my friends were laughing, people were laughing at us so hard. (laughs) I'm like, well, I mean, you're right there. Right. See, here's the screen. (laughs) I mean, I know I can't see very well, but usually when I go to a movie theater, I sit in the middle of the, mm. theater, the everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh no, honey, I really didn't need to be that close. No, <laughs> for me, and I, I was just like, uh, I know I'm visually impaired, but I'm not that dang old I'm visually impaired that I need to be right up here,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, that that was just, <laughs> but I mean, that that because I saw it in English I was like I want to see this in Japanese and and see if it's scarier in Japanese than it was Mm -hmm. you know I mean the first one was the better one the second one sucked um Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I mean those are the types of goals I have like with my languages you know yeah they're great to, to watch stuff and you know like I want to learn Egyptian Arabic up to like a B1 level or something just so I can I'll be able to communicate with people you know in a basic level you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: because there's a lot of people from the middle east that are here and they speak Arabic and they like mm-hmm. it when you speak like even if you just say thank you or you say hello or something or you introduce yourself in Arabic they they get so happy because they can't believe that you're taking an interest in their their culture and their language, you know, because they've been so wrongfully um, judged by people mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. what, and what their faith is. So I was like, they you know, I I said I I do this so I can open my mind and get to understand other people. Not I'm not being judgmental at all, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you
1: know, that is the question I get a lot. Why am I learning their language, or? And I tell them why, and then they think that's cool. Then when I break down their history, then they really think that's cool because they can't believe an American would know that much information about whatever country it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you if you like to learn a language, you can't just be like, I want to just speak that language. You have to know the culture and the history and the psychology and how they they do things because this is where they come from. They're coming here to have a better life, yes, but at the end of the day, I'm going to know where you come from. Yeah. Why Do you have any recipes? <laughs> I like to the- cook. You, <laughs> you can find something that connects you to that particular um, person that you're speaking to in whatever language that may be. That, that's an experience that you'll have for the rest of your life. And yes. the more that you can do that, the better off you'll be as a human being. Like my, I'm the only one in my family that speaks multiple languages. Mm. So It's like, it, my cousin was like, oh, can you speak in anything other than English? I mean, can you speak English? And I was like, I do that every day. No, I'm not speaking English on my video. And then I go <laughs> the language that I'm speaking. And everybody's like, oh, she does not do that. You know, because they're, they don't want to learn. They want you to speak English. And I'm like, well, did you ever occur to you that if you go to, like, Barcelona, you go to Madrid, you, you go to certain other places in Spain that are bigger cities, but you go outside of those cities? Don't assume that because you went to Spain that you're not going to have to use some Spanish. You're going to have to because those smaller cities and towns – they don't speak English. Right. So, and that goes for just about every country you go to around the world. They don't speak English mm-hmm. every place. You have to be able to communicate, even at the most basic level. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, people will respect you more for it. Yes. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I just think they just think, oh, well, they, they speak English, so I don't have to learn anything. Yeah. Just want to say hello, my name is nice to meet you. Yes, no, thank you. No, thank you. May I? Where's the bathroom? Mm. Blah blah blah. If you can at least know at least a one before you leave, that's a heck of a lot better than knowing zero.
0: Yes. And, I agree.
1: You know, so I mean, personally, I I I tell people all the time, you know, my motto is. Language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. You don't enjoy it. You're just going to sit there and be like, okay, I'm just going to learn this just for the hell of it. And, you know, okay, are you doing it for you? Are you doing it to impress somebody? I mean, because at the end of the day, you can speak 18 languages. Mm -hmm. Does that mean all 18 have to be at a C2? Or higher? No. No. That language? Heck no. <laughs> you know, I mean, Ollie Richards has even said okay, my Spanish is like at a B2, and my Spanish is pretty good. I can go into a place, I can communicate, I can order things, I can, you know, I can have a conversation with someone, you know, I can hold my own. However, uh, not every language I know is that. You know this whole thing about fluency how fluent are you i was like okay you mean fluency in regards to how the language flows coming out of you when you're speaking it because that's mm-hmm. what I, fluency how you know how it's flowing mm-hmm. i'm thinking efficiency okay how well do i really know this language you know do i know it well enough to be able to communicate and then six months down the road, I can pick it back up like it, nothing happened that well. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you can get to at least a B2, if you get to a B1, you're good because at least you won't forget it. You'll still have some work to do, but you would have a foundation set for that language and you wouldn't forget all of it either. Right. And it wouldn't take you that long. Like for me, I'm I'm, creeping into A2 for Cantonese. Well, okay, six months down the road, let's say I get to a B1. Okay, that's great. That's after practicing and going over material and finding out what I want to say, how I want to say. I mean, because you're not going to know everything. You're not going to know. We, we don't even know everything in our own language.
0: And no, that's so true.
1: Now, I had three more questions for you. One, what what are your thoughts on, like, having language exchanges with people and having them say, and I've had this happen to me, why don't you speak my language as well as you speak your own? If I can learn your language to fluency or their version of fluency, Then why can't you learn mine Um,
0: the same way, you know? Wow, somebody has said that to you? Yes.
1: I was like. Wow. And this was Spanish.
0: Oh, man. So they were basically saying that your level was not as good as their English was. Right that I feel like that's extremely I've been very fortunate if you've like had that happen before because I fortunately have not run into a situation like that usually I get the reaction that you mentioned about other people speaking with you saying that they're just very happy that you would take the time to even think about learning their language and attempt to learn it but I think that's kind of rude it's very forward (laughs) and I would just say that's not very nice to say to anybody and I don't think you should say that and there's certain things that even if you think them which I still think that's a rude thought to have but that you shouldn't really be sharing that with somebody I don't know there's other ways to go about saying things like that I'm not even sure how you would word that in a more polite way I don't really think there is but I I, I don't know, I just think that's rude.
1: That was another reason why I stopped speaking Spanish altogether. I literally it it tore my confidence down so much so that I just said screw it. Wow. And, I mean, I literally have a love hate relationship with Spanish.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, it's so unfortunate.
1: Because I mean on one end, I love it. Like I love mm-hmm. it for the cultural aspect, the food, the music, singing it, I will sing all day to it. Mm -hmm. Trying to have a conversation with somebody. Um, I found a lot of Mexicans to be rude. I found some people from Colombia. Now, I haven't found anybody from Lima or Argentina be rude, but it was just the point. It was like, I just got negative after negative. Well, I need to practice more, or I need to, you know, and I'm like, Wait a minute. I'm doing the best I know how. This is not my mother's home. Understand that.
2: Yeah.
1: I will never be 100% what you can qualify as native, because none of yeah. us will be. We didn't grow up. Yeah. So I don't care how much you may dive into the daggone language itself. You can memorize every word there is on the planet, and you still will not be considered native. Because you weren't born there. You didn't have the same experiences. As the people that live there did. So. At the end of the day. You can aspire to get to that. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell no one that they couldn't do that. But. I would rather aim for something. That was a little bit more attainable. Mm -hmm. Like on B2 level. Right. said because. I'm not trying to like create the atom bomb in Russian. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a science person or a mathematic person. So I'm not going to do the vocabulary. Now I might learn the business vocabulary and the poli- politics and all that type of stuff and all the fashion and sports and food and, you know, all that type of stuff that I want to know. But mm-hmm. at the, end of the day, I am not trying to, I'm not Russian. I'm not Spanish, I'm not Italian, even though I enjoy those languages. Right. I'm just not, I'm, you know, I could put my feet into the shoes of that world and, and immerse myself in that world for the time that I'm speaking the language, but at the end of the day, I am not that person.
2: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: And so, even though I do feel when I'm speaking a different language, I I do feel different for every language that I'm speaking um, mm-hmm. but at the same time I I do see that a lot like they will they, they expect you pretty much to be at the same point with them in the target language but it's okay for them to mess up on their English but we're mm-hmm. perfect with their language there should we should be flawless no, I, no. I can I could never agree with that like I've had that not only from people who speak Spanish, but people who speak Russian. Some people, and and these are guys.
2: Mm.
1: Oh, it's like, okay, where's your ego at?
2: (laughs) Well,
0: some food for thought that came to mind here, and it's come to mind before, is that even native speakers, there's plenty of people that I know who, with their English, they still make simple spelling mistakes or... They use incorrect grammar and don't even realize it. Right. And these are native speakers. And I know that occurs in every language because I have seen it in some of the languages that I study as well. Right. And so what does native mean? Because would you not call a speaker of English who grew up speaking it a native speaker if they're spelling things wrong that are simple mistakes?
1: Right. I mean, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I use dictation all the time and it doesn't Mm. come out 100% correct so I have to go back and I have to use voiceover and I have to use gestures and I have to go and, and, and do the router and go to characters and go by word and correct stuff and then send it. And it takes time for that and you still get criticized by people who, oh well are you, do you speak English? And I'm like this is American English. This isn't British English. <laughs> we come from America. By the way, you do understand the United States is is a very large country, so you got different dialects, different accents, different races, different everything. Right. Um, what what are you basing your English off of? Who? What part yeah. of the best? Because that's important. I might be African-American, but at the end of the day, people still think I speak like I'm white. I'm like, uh, (laughs) I I don't use slang, and I read a lot, and I'm highly educated, and I was taught by a lot of of white people in my time, and I was Mm -hmm. introduced to a lot of things that I wouldn't have been introduced to otherwise by Mm -hmm. being a variety of different people throughout my life, so... Yeah, I didn't grow up in the hood. I grew up in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So I say that I'm educated. <laughs> I don't say that I sound like somebody else's culture. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but this is their interpretation because they see a black person, they think urban. So they think mm-hmm. from the- there's slang involved or
0: stereotypes
1: yeah there's different people just because I'm black doesn't mean I speak like this you know Mm so I actually had someone wanting me to teach them Ebonics Um... and I said um honey well you're African American don't you know Ebonics I'm like no 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 No." (laughs) And I went and teach that to you anyway. You want to get fired? (laughs) Do do you not want to have a job? (laughs) Oh, my God. I I couldn't help it. He was like, what's so funny? I was like, that's funny. I was like, because people don't speak like that anymore. Mm. So, I mean, for me, I kind of feel, and I've I've heard this in people's YouTube videos, too, and they, they were frustrated about that topic of why people think that you're supposed to be fluent in their tongue, but it's okay for them to butcher English and we don't say anything. You know, we're polite about it. We're like, okay, we understand you're learning our language. You have to mess up. But in their eyes, we're not supposed to. Which makes, yeah, I
2: don't know. makes
1: no sense to me. I, I actually know someone that's about 30 something years old. He's a millennial. He doesn't read a lot. He doesn't listen to the radio. He doesn't listen to the TV. But he claims he knows everything about our country. and He's never stepped foot in it.
2: Uh...
1: I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> and But they like to go on tourist visas around the world and work in different countries. And then they see the reality of what these countries are like. And then they're more grateful about where they come from. Yeah. Because it's worse than where they came from. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm sorry um, I'm sorry you went through that but maybe it'll make you mature a little bit more and understand that there's more to the world than the internet and you can't right in this like this is where they're getting their information I'm like that's not accurate that's not how we see it in this country Hmm. so I mean for me I guess I, I see that a lot like I don't do as many conversational partners um, anymore I have to be very picky because I feel like when I'm speaking with the person I don't know if you've ever experienced this where okay you have an hour between you all together half of that mm-hmm. hour is for the target language for that person and the other half, half an hour is for you and but 90% of it's for them and you never get around to ever speaking because once you start opening your mouth they want to correct everything that you
2: say uh yeah
1: i've gotten that too and i i you know i try to encourage my listeners all the time look you need to um you know let them know ahead of time you know set some boundaries some ground rules this is how it's going to be because i have limited time and Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, and that's understandable. I know Ollie Richards was saying that he was trying to speak to someone in Cantonese and they just wanted to speak in English for two and a half hours.
2: Oh, no.
1: It was like, it was the worst experience he ever had. Mm -hmm. Waste of my two and a half hours. I'm like, (laughs) oh, Lord, I just I mean, but I understand that, you know, and it it does. Mm -hmm. It's very frustrating, especially when you're trying to speak to someone and their English is not. They tell you it's at a B2, but you get on the phone and it's at an A1. Mm-hmm. And I've had that happen, too. And I I try not to get angry, but I did get mad because I felt like I was being lied to. And mm-hmm. I told them, I said, look, if when you're serious, call me. I don't mm-hmm. have, you know, to mess around. They're mm-hmm. right. They were at an academic level academically with their reading and writing. I mean, they were able to go to school and study English as a subject. Yeah. But their speaking was atrocious. Mm -hmm. But that's because they lived in a monolingual country where they spoke their native tongue all day. And they didn't do a lot of practicing. They didn't do a lot of reading. And so I told them, you need to get as much exposure before you come to me. Because... I, you know, and then I say, I have to be paid for my time. They don't want to do that either. Well, you can't get uh, for nothing. It doesn't work like that. you know? Right. So, I mean, I've had those issues tutoring people and and helping them with their English. And I haven't done it in a few months because I've been working on my own thing. But yet, at the same time... You know, I guess I like to get other people's opinion when I interview them about that those topics because evidently, if I've experienced something like that, I you know I don't know if anyone else has ever experienced. You know, situations. Yeah. Where I have conversations with people, and you know, you you can start off typing in English. You you, mm-hmm. can, you can spend two. Um to the 20 minutes typing with somebody, then you can get on the phone and talk to them to see where their English is. And they can't even understand a basic conversation with basic Mm -hmm. words. And it's almost like on one end you want to help them because that's your job.